We now present Dracula by Bram Stoker, freely adapted for radio by P.J. O'Connor. We advise listeners who are nervous or who may be alone or with children that parts of this program are quite startling. Here with me in the studio, waiting to introduce the play, is Count... Good evening. Dracula speaking. Count Dracula. Do not switch off. Don't even try. You cannot, even if you wish to. The undead live through one another. Listen. No, that is not in your imagination. You really heard my friend of the night. Listen again. Yes, the call of the wolf. The call of the undead seeking help. Don't close the window. I can get to you anyway. What in heaven's name are you doing aboard this crate? Oh, business and pleasure, old chap. Harris in the spring, make a little, spend a lot. Fellow needs to relax every now and then. <laughs> relax, you? The Honourable Arthur Homewood needs to relax. I should jolly well think so. The Irish gentry, what's left of them, that is, work awfully hard, old boy. Georgian meetings and ballot sessions take a lot out of a fellow. <laughs> Good old Arthur. You haven't changed a bit. I'm really glad to see you. Tell me, how's Lucy? Oh, just a wee bit peaky. Been off colour for some weeks past. Refused point blank to come to Paris. She's gone to some local watering place for sea air. Hope it revives the old dear. We're getting married in the fall. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and what a coincidence. I'm taking the plunge myself about the same time. Oh, congratulations, old chap. This calls for celebration once they get this crate off the ground. Do I know the lady? It's hardly likely. Although she's an old friend of Lucy's. Mina Murray. They palled around a lot when Jack Seward was in the list of runners. Really? No, I, I can't say I met her, but I'm looking forward to a jolly old get-together when we get back. Here, here. You know, we owe Jack a night out. Rather, it should be like old times again, one for all and all for one, eh? <laughs> Tell me, has he taken up his new appointment yet? Who? who? Oh, you, Jack, yes, I think so. We, uh, we went on quite a binge after I became engaged to Lucy. Jack was very fond of her, you know. Yes, I know. He's a, he's a chief cook and bottle washer at some private asylum high up in the Wicklow Hills, near Poolafuca, I believe. Oh, how awful. These doctors are all of a kind, dedicated lunatics. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. 
Air Lingus Irish International Airlines welcomes you on board. Please fasten your seatbelts and no smoking till we're airborne. Thank you. Now, you tell me, what the devil are you doing in this infernal machine? Well, actually, I'm on my way to Transylvania. In heaven's name, what for? Oh, same as yourself. Business. Mr. Hawkins was too ill to travel, so he sends me to represent the firm. Oh, bully for you. All exes paid, I dare say. Oh, but of course. As a matter of fact, I'm rather looking forward to this trip, and I have been for some time. I haven't had a holiday for years. It should be even more enjoyable at the firm's expense. Oh, naturally. But where exactly is the place? What place? Uh, Transylvania. Oh, yes. Well, it's on the borders of Moldavia and Bukovina. Oh, thanks. That clarifies everything. <laughs> well, all I really know is that it's in the middle of the Carpathian Mountains. And the part I'm destined to visit is one of the wildest and least known places on the continent. Castle Dracula. It's the home of Count Dracula. Dracula? I can't say I ever heard of him. Well, neither have I. But if his letters are anything to go by, he seems to be a decent old chap. Oh, yes, yes, I'd say so. Most of these continental jollies are great fun. You should have a hell of a time. He'd be delighted to welcome new blood into the circle. <laughs> He's probably bored stiff, just like the Irish gentry. Wise him up on the balancing. <laughs> I'll do that. Well, here we go. Castle Dracula, here I come. to my house. Enter freely and of your own free will. Come freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness you bring. Uh, Count Dracula? I am Dracula. I bid you welcome Mr. Harker to my house. Come in. The night air is chill. And you must need to eat and rest. So you see, my young friend, how it is with me. For years I have longed to visit the great capital of your country. Through my books here I have come to know and love Ireland. It is my great wish to be in the midst of the life of its capital city, Dublin, to share its changes and all that makes it what it is. But alas, as yet I know only the language you speak through books, to you, my friend, I look that I know it to speak. Indeed. In my opinion, Count, you speak excellently. Not so. Well, I know that did I move and speak in your city, none there are who would not know me for a stranger. 
That is not enough for me. Here I am noble. I am boyar. The common people know me, and I am master. But a stranger in a strange land is no one. I am content if I am like the rest, so that no man stops if he sees me, or pause in his speaking if he hear my words to say, Aha, a stranger. <laughs> then you really intend to leave here and live in Ireland? But of course. My friend, you came to me not alone as agent of my friend Peter Hawkins of Dorky to tell me all about my new estate in Dublin. You shall, I trust, rest here with me a while, so that by our talking I may learn the English intonation. The children of the night, listen. Children of the night? Ah, sir, you dwellers in the city cannot enter into the feelings of the hunter. <laughs> and now, Mr. Harker, you may go anywhere you wish in the castle, except where the doors are locked. There is reason that all things are as they are. We are in Transylvania, and Transylvania is not Ireland. Our ways are not your ways, and there shall be to you many strange things. Very many strange things. Sleep well, Mr. Harker. Sleep well. That first night at Castle Dracula, I did sleep well. Indeed, I hope so, for all that now follows was so startlingly real that I'm still not sure that it did not really happen. For now, I am no longer alone. In the moonlight opposite me are three young women. Go on, you are first. We shall follow. Yours is the right to begin. Oh, he's young and strong. There are cases for us all. One of the young women now advanced and bent over me till I could feel the movement of her breath upon me. She licked her lips like an animal, and I could see in the moonlight the moisture shining on the scarlet lips and on the red tongue as it lapped the white, sharp teeth. Away. Away. How dare you touch him, any of you? How dare you cast eyes on him when I had forbidden it? Back, I say. This man belongs to me. I am aware how you meddle with him, or you'll have to deal with me. You yourself never loved. You never love. We need love. We do. We do. Silence. We do. Well, now I promise you that when I am done with him, you shall kiss him at your will. Now, go. Go. I must awaken him, for there is work to be done. Are we 
we to have nothing tonight? Take this bag. What's in it? Open it. While I gazed in horror at the awful scene, the women suddenly disappeared. They simply seemed to fade into the ranks of moonlight and pass away into the night. Then horror overcame me, and I sank down unconscious. Suddenly, a voice cried from outside the castle gate. I now knew for certain that my position was desperate. I must make an effort to escape from this awful place. At dawn, I searched the castle from end to end, but found no trace of any living creature. I was alone. I was about to give up the search and return to my room when I pulled open a heavy door and found myself in an old ruined chapel, which had evidently been used as a graveyard. The ground had recently been dug over and the earth placed in great wooden boxes, of which there were fifty in all. In one of the boxes, on a pile of newly dug earth, lay the Count. He, he looked as if, as if his youth had been half renewed, for the white hair and moustache were changed to dark iron grey, the cheeks were fuller, and the white skin seemed ruby red underneath. The mouth was redder than ever, for on the lips were gouts of fresh blood, which trickled from the corners and ran over the chin and neck. I shuddered as I bent over to touch him, and every sense in me revolted at the contact. But I had to search for the keys of the great gates, or, or I was lost. But when I looked in the dead eyes of this monster and suddenly saw in them, dead though they were, such a look of hate, I fled from the place and returned to my rooms. That night, the Count awakened me some hours before dawn. Tomorrow, my friend, we must part. I have decided you return to your beautiful Ireland. I to some work which may have such an end that we may never meet again. In the morning, my carriage shall come for you and shall bear you to the Borgo Pass to meet the diligence from Bukovina to Bistritz. And yet, I am in hopes that I shall see more of you at Castle Dracula. Why may, may I not go tonight? 
Because, my dear sir, my coachman and horses are away on a mission. I am quite able to walk. Uh, besides, I want to leave at once. And your baggage? It doesn't matter. I insist on leaving this very moment. So, you insist? Very well. Not an hour shall you wait in my house against your will. Come then. Hark! Listen! Farewell, Irishman! Shut that door! I must wait, it seems. I have no choice. Sleep well tonight, my friend. <laughs> Sleep well. What am I to do? What am I to do? Not yet come. Wait, have patience. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is yours. calling. Mina Murray. Hold the line, please. Hello? Lucy, darling. Oh, how nice of you to phone, Mina. How are you, dear? Stronger some days and weaker others, and generally very depressed and lonely. Arthur's gone to Paris on business. Oh, Mina, you must visit us here in Greystones. I'm really cheesed off. Oh, so am I, darling. Yes, I'll go down tomorrow afternoon. Oh, good girl. I'm looking forward to a good old-fashioned chat. By the by, how's Jonathan? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I just don't know. He went abroad some weeks ago on business. He hasn't put pen to paper since. Oh, that isn't like Jonathan. Where did he go to? Transylvania. In heaven's name, where's Transylvania? Middle East, I believe. On the borders of Russia. Good for him. Nothing like a free holiday at the firm's expense. Well, now you're a grass widow like myself. We'll expect you in Greystones tomorrow night. What's the weather being like since you arrived? Exquisite up to last Sunday, but then we had the most terrible storm. I, I was absolutely terrified. You're not the only one, dear. It was pretty bad all over. I didn't sleep all night. It was really frightening here. You see, from my bed here, I can see right over the harbour and the bay. Mountainous seas, thunder and lightning, the lot. And then when, when the storm was at its height, the most weird and extraordinary thing occurred. I saw it myself. A ship which should have been totally wrecked in such seas miraculously made for harbour and came safely ashore. I read something about that in the papers. Russian, wasn't she? Yes. Yes, but you, you haven't heard the weirdest part. When the ship was boarded, there wasn't a sinner to be found, only the body of the captain lashed to the wheel, and he'd been dead several days. Yet someone guided the ship to safety. The only live creature seen was a huge hound which jumped ashore. 
He hasn't been seen since. A hound? What in heaven's name was a hound doing aboard ship? Your guess is as good as mine. That's only part of the mystery. When the cargo was examined, it was found to be undamaged. Do you know what it was? I haven't a clue, darling. Just boxes of earth. Fifty huge boxes of earth. Boxes of earth? Who would want to import fifty boxes of earth? Well, they've been claimed by some solicitors in Bray for a client who's bought a haunted mansion near Roundwood. It's creepy, isn't it? My nerves have all gone to pieces in the last week. I, I haven't been able to sleep at all. Now, I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for all this. Haunted mansion, indeed. You mustn't let your imagination run wild, Lucy, I darling. I can't help it, Mina. I've, I've had the most awful dreams. Sometimes they're so vivid that I really begin to wonder whether I'm dreaming or, or is it really happening. I seem to see two small red eyes gazing in at me every so often through, through wisps of mist or cloud that pass the window. I, I'm really frightened, Mina. Have you seen a doctor? Oh, yes. M Mama insisted on calling Dr. Jack Seward. Oh. How nice. How embarrassing, you mean. Would you like to be examined by a man whom you jilted only three weeks ago? I should hate it, darling. But Jack is a pet. Of course, he's a neighbor of yours now. Practices near Pulafuca, I believe. How cozy for you, Lucy. Well, what did he say? He could find nothing organically wrong. He seems genuinely worried about my continuing weakness and loss of blood. He says I'm not anemic and... He's completely puzzled. Now he thinks it may be a mental condition and he's bringing some world-famous head shrinker to see me tonight. Head shrinker? A psychiatrist. Professor Abraham van Helsing, no less, all the way from Amsterdam. He flew over specially. Well, Jack's gone to Dublin Airport to collect him and drive him to Greystones. They, they should arrive at any moment now. Then I'll let you get some rest. Do relax, darling. Try to sleep. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Oh, John, have you said anything of this matter to our young friend Arthur, the lover of your Miss Lucy? No, Professor. I decided to wait and hear your opinion. I wrote to Arthur telling him of Miss Westenra's illness and promising to contact him if necessary. Good boy. Better he not know yet. Perhaps he may never need to know. I pray it to be so. This case of our Miss Westenra's is one that may be, mind I say, may be, of great interest to us and to the world of medicine. But from what you have told me, I must ask you to proceed with all haste. Hurry, my friend John, lest we be too late. Hurry! Professor Abraham van Helsing. Uh, oh, good Himmel, we may be too late. There's no time to be lost. She will die from sheer want of blood. Quickly, friend John, what pleasure you find, please. Very low, Professor. Do you think we should transfuse? Immediately. First, the dextrose transfusion I will give myself. Oh, good. I'll group and cross-match her and make arrangements with the blood bank. My bag. Quickly.
Dr. Seward, Greystone speaking. Could I please speak to the night sister? Uh, hold the line, please. Night sister here. Uh, Dr. Seward, Greystones. Yes, doctor. I have an emergency on hand. Have you a bed available? What type of patient, doctor? She appears to have had a severe hemorrhage. Blood pressure remains low. I'd like you to admit her. I, I've ordered blood and will commence the first pint before we remove her to hospital. How long will it take you to get the patient in? About uh, an hour and a half. I've also ordered five pints of blood to be sent directly to hospital in case we may need more later. We'll be ready for you, Doctor. Thank you, Sister. These flowers, Miss Lucy, are for you. All the way from Harlem, Holland, where my friend Vanderpoel raised herb in his glasshouses all the year. For me? Oh, Dr. Van Helsing, how thoughtful you are. Ah, my dear, these flowers are not for you to play with. They are pretty, but... What a strange perfume they have. Yes, my dear. These flowers are medicine for my Lucy, but she does not know how. Hmm? You see, I put some in your window, and then I make pretty wreaths, you see, and hang him around your neck, and so, and then you sleep well. Ah, yes. They, like the lotus flower, make your trouble forgotten. Oh, Professor, I do believe you're pulling my leg. Why, these flowers are only common garlic. Not trifling with me, young lady. I never jest... There is grim purpose in all I do, and I warn you to have belief in all I do. To bed, friend John, to bed. Good morning, Professor Van Helsing. Good morning, sister. Good morning. You will be glad to know that Lucy is better. The dear child is still asleep. I, I looked into her room and saw her, but I didn't go in in case I should disturb her. Aha, uh -huh. I thought I had diagnosed the case. My treatment is working. Now, now, you mustn't take all the credit to yourself, Doctor. Lucy's improvement this morning is due in part to me. How do you mean, madame? Well, I was anxious about the dear child in the night and went into her room. She was sleeping soundly. So soundly that even my coming didn't wake her. But the room was awfully stuffy. There was a lot of those horrible, strong-smelling flowers about everywhere, and she had actually a bunch of them round her neck. I fear that the heavy odour would be too much for the dear child in her weak state, so I took them all away. No, no, no. I also opened the window to let in a little fresh air. You will be pleased with her, I'm sure. What has this foolish creature done? All for the best, did she think? She does such a thing as we lose poor Lucy, body and soul. The powers of all the devils are against us. But no matter, we fight him all the same. Come. I'll go get the blood supply. No, friend John, you must give your own blood, I think. There's no time to lose. Friend John, light, if you please. My God, her throat, you see? Yes, the wound on her throat have disappeared. She's dying. It will not be long now. It will be much difference, mark me, whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. How is she, Jack? Arthur, thank heavens you came. How is she? I, I got here as quickly as I could. Has there been any improvement? The news is not good, Arthur. She's very, very ill. Oh, no. I'm afraid so, Arthur. Oh, this is Professor Van Helsing. Well, how do you do, I'm most grateful to you, sir, for everything you tried to do. My poor boy. 
You are the lover of our dear miss. She is bad. Very, very bad. Is there nothing we can do? Arthur, my dear friend, you must summon all your courage. It will be best and easiest for her. not believe me. Hold her hand. It will comfort her more. Oh, oh, my love, I'm, I'm so glad you, you've come. Kiss me. Oh, kiss me. Not for your life. Do not if you value your living soul and hers. Professor, my true friend and Arthur's. Guard him. Give him peace. I swear it. Arthur, my boy, and take her hand in yours and kiss her on the forehead, but only once. Arthur. Oh, Arthur. She is dead. Oh, well, poor girl. There's peace for her at last. It's the end. Not so, alas. Not so. It is only the beginning. Can I help you search, friend John? I am free, and if I may, my service is to you. Did you find anything in her room at the hospital? Yes, some letters and a diary new begun. But I have them here, and we shall for the present say nothing of them. I have placed the garlic flour around the body in the mortuary, and also a relic on the mouth. Nothing more can be done tonight. But tomorrow I want you to bring me before night a set of postmortem knives. Must we make an autopsy? Yes and no. I, I want to operate, but not as you think. Let me tell you now, but you must not breathe one word to anyone. What do you intend to do? I want to cut off her head and take out her heart. In heaven's name, Professor, what... Ah, you a surgeon and so shocked. You, whom I have seen with no tremble of hand or heart to operations of life and death that would make the rest shudder. Yes, but this of sort of... Of course, of course, I must not forget, my dear friend John, that you loved her, and I have not forgotten it. For it is I that shall operate, and you must only help. I would like to do it tonight, but for Arthur's sake, I must not. Tomorrow he will wish to see her, to see it. Then when she is coffined, ready for the next day, you and I shall come. We shall unscrew the coffin lid and shall do our operation and then replace all so that none know, save we alone. I only hope that we are not too late. Who knows what this night may bring? Who knows? Who knows? Here is the news read by Michael McGrath. Several young children strayed from their homes in Wicklow Town last night. Some were not found until early this morning. In all cases, the children had been slightly torn or wounded in the throat. The wound seemed such as might be made by a rat or a small dog. However, doctors are baffled by the fact that no other wounds were inflicted on the children. The Gardaí in Wicklow have issued a warning to all parents to keep their children indoors after night.
Well, friend John, what do you make of this morning's news? Those children also had punctured wounds on their throats. Precisely. What do you make of it? Well, there's a similarity between their case and poor Lucy's. Whatever it was that injured hers injured them. Well, that is true, indirectly, but not directly. How do you mean, Professor? Friend John, have you still no suspicion as to what poor Lucy died of? Not even after all the hints given, not only by events, but by me. Of nervous prostration following on great loss or waste of blood. But how was the blood lost or wasted? I still don't know the answer to that question, Professor. And so you think then that those so small holes in the children's throats were made by the same that made the hole in Miss Lucy's throat? I suppose so. Then you are wrong. Oh, would it were so, but alas, no, it is worse. Ah, far worse. What do you mean? The wounds in the children's throats were made by Miss Lucy. Miss Lucy? Dr. Van Helsing, are you mad? Would that I were. Madness were easy to bear compared with truth like this. Tonight I go to prove it. Dare you come with me to the mortuary where Miss Lucy's body lies in the coffin tonight? You leave me little choice, Professor. It is better so. See, here's a second key to the mortuary. When Lucy is coffined this evening, ready for the funeral tomorrow, and when everyone has left, you and I will return and spend the night inside the mortuary. But, John, ah, this is the coffin, is it not? Now, first, the screws. Here we are. The ceremony was very long this evening. Yes, Professor. They were late starting. Something to do with the lead coffin. A lady's always troublesome. But she is to rest in a vault, is she not? The family vault is in Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin. The West End family are one of the oldest in the city. One of the few remaining who can still avail of their traditional burial vault. Good. It may be that we shall need to visit this vault. Huh? What do you mean, Professor? Shh. Now, we take the lid off. So. Now, what are you going to do? You still have to get through the lead. Well, we shall open it. You shall see. First, I puncture the lead with turn screw. Now I insert fret saw. So. Now we saw through lead. So. Hold candle nearer, friend John. Mine good. It is as I feared. We are too late. The coffin is empty. Are you satisfied now, friend John? But where is she? I have no doubt but that she is out seeking more victims for her horrible work. As you see, the garlic I placed around the coffin has been removed, so has the relic, just the same as last night. Who could have removed them? Anyone. What are you going to do now? Replace everything just as it was. After the funeral tomorrow, when the coffin lies in the West Denro vault in Dasnevin, I will place my garlic all about. This time I will stay and ensure that nothing is removed. You must hide in the cemetery also until dark. Then we will return to the vault, open the coffin, cut off her head, fill her mouth with garlic and drive a stake through her body. Now, 
to prise the lead together. So, bow the lid. so carefully cut last night. And there she is, as I expected. Oh. Your soul-loved Lucy. She's more beautiful than ever. I can hardly believe that I'm looking at a dead body. See, the lips are redder than before, John. Yes. Now watch. I pass them. And see the teeth, sharper than before also. With these, the little children can be bitten. Are you of belief now, friend John? Oh, she may have been placed in the coffin after we left the mortuary last night. Could that not have happened? Indeed. That may be so, but by whom? Oh, I don't know. Someone has done it. And yet she has been dead over three days. Most people in that time would not look so beautiful. Is this then really Lucy's body or, or a demon in her shape? It is her body and yet not it. But in a few moments you shall see her as she was and is. First the operating knives. Now the stake and hammer for you, John. For me? Yes, friend John, you must now do more than assist. I know you will when you hear what I now tell you of Lucy, now one of the undead because of the kiss she received from the vampire. I speak now from the lore and experience of the ancients and of all those who have studied the powers of the undead. When they become such, there comes with the change the curse of immortality. They cannot die but must go on age after age, adding new victims and multiplying the evils of the world. For all that die from the praying of the undead become themselves undead and prey on their kind. And so the circle goes on ever widening. But when this now undead be made to rest as true dead, then the soul of the young lady shall again be free. Instead of working wickedness by night, she shall take her place with the angels. So that, my friend John, it will be a blessed hand for her that shall strike the blow that sets her free. Tell me what I'm to do, Professor, and I shall not falter. Pray, lad. A moment's courage and it is done. This stake must be driven through her. Huh? It will be a fearful ordeal. Be not deceived in that, but it will only be a short time and you will then rejoice more than your pain was great. From this tomb you will emerge as though you tread on air. But remember, you must not falter when once you have begun. Go on, please. Tell me what I'm to do. Take this stake in your left hand, ready to place the point over the heart, and take the hammer in your right when I begin to say the prayer for the dead, strike, so that all may be well with the dead that we love and that the undead pass away. Are you ready, friend John? Ready, Professor. Right, we are going to tell now. Ah! 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 Ah!
Miss Mina Murray, is it not? Miss Mina Murray, that was. I am now Mrs. Jonathan Harker. Indeed. Please accept my congratulations. I am Dr. Van Helsing. I have come to speak to the friend of that poor dear child, Lucy Vestendra. Madame Mina, it is on account of the dead I come. Oh, sir, you could have no better claim on me than that you were a friend of Lucy Westenra. Please come in. Ah, oh, Madame Mina, I knew that the friend of that poor Lily must be good, but I had yet to learn... Please sit down, Doctor. Thank you. Now, what did you wish to see me about? I have read your letters to Miss Lucy. I know that you were to come and stay with her in Greystones. I know that you did not do so because you had to go abroad. Why was it that you leave Ireland in so great a hurry? Well, I received a letter from the hospital of St. Joseph and St. Mary in Budapest, which was written at the request of Mr. Harker, now my husband, who was too ill to write himself, asking me to come to Budapest immediately, as he had received some terrible shock and was on the verge of a breakdown. So you went? Yes. How did you find Mr. Harker? Jonathan was very disturbed. In his sleep, he raved of dreadful things. What things? Oh, wolves, blood, ghosts. <sighs> Just as I thought. What did you say? Nothing, nothing. Did he recover immediately? Not for some weeks. He seemed to have a premonition that something dreadful might happen. He insisted that we be married immediately. So we were married there and then in the hospital at Budapest. Has he spoken at all about what happened during his stay in Transylvania? No. How is he now? Has he fully recovered? He has almost recovered. And then last Thursday night, he thought he saw someone who recalled terrible memories for him. We were walking down Grafton Street when suddenly Jonathan cried out. Mina! Do you see who it is? Where? That man in the dark suit, under the street lamp. There at the Royal Bank corner. Great heavens, he's following that little girl. But who is he, darling? It is the man himself. It is Count Dracula. But he has grown young. But I'm sure it is he. Oh, Mina, what am I to do? If this be so... Oh, no! No, no! Since then, Jonathan has relapsed into the old ways. He cannot sleep. He cannot eat. I'm so worried, Doctor. I don't know... Madame Mina, you must let me help you. Dr. Van Helsing, the information you seek and which I intend to place at your disposal is so peculiar that I hope you will not laugh at me or my husband. If you will let me, I shall give you a strange document to read. It is the journal Jonathan wrote when abroad in Transylvania, and all that happened at Castle Dracula is in it. I dare not say anything of it. You will read it for yourself and judge. And then, when I see you again, perhaps you will be kind enough to tell me what you really think. I promise. I shall in the morning, as soon as I can, come to see you and your husband, if I may. Jonathan will be here at Harvest Eleven. We've been invited to stay at Dr. Seward's. Perhaps we can drive you back to Pulafuke if it isn't too early for you? Not at all, not at all, Madame Mina. I would like to get back to Pulafuka as early as possible. My friend John has an interesting patient in this asylum. Eats flies, spiders and sparrows, I believe. He thinks, that is, John thinks, there may be some odd connection between this man and the very strange things that have been happening. We shall see. Yes, we shall see. 
Here is the news read by Michael McGrath. Robbery at Blood Bank. Supplies of blood held by the National Blood Transfusion Association, Pelican House, Dublin, have mysteriously disappeared. The Gaudi are puzzled by the fact that nothing else of value is missing from the building. The National Blood Transfusion Association requests volunteers in all blood groups to contact Pelican House, Dublin, as soon as possible. John, how goes all? Well, as well as can be expected, Professor. So, I have been busy. Now I have much to tell. Good. Uh, you remember Arthur, of course. Indeed I do, poor boy. And Madame Mina is with you and her so fine husband. Excellent. We may commence. I may, I suppose, take it that we are all acquainted with the facts that are in these documents. Yes, I Professor. Then it were, I think, good that I tell you something of the kind of enemy with which we have to deal. It is a strange fact, but this thing which is not of nature has to obey some of nature's laws. Why, we know not. That's true. For instance, in Transylvania, it was always at night that Dracula appeared. Yes, his power ceases, as does that of all evil things at the coming of the day. Then he returns to his hell home and lies on the unhallowed earth in his coffin until the setting of the sun. And so, when we find the habitation of this man that was... We can confine him to his coffin and destroy him if we obey what we know. And we already know that 50 boxes of this unhallowed earth were moved by CIE from Greystones to Roundwood and are stored in the cellars of the old mansion near Loch Dan. Then all we have to do is to find this old house and kill the monster as he sleeps in one of his coffins. Alas, my friend, we will not find it so easy to trap Count Dracula. 50 boxes of earth were delivered to Roundwood, but what proof have we that 50 boxes of earth are still there? You mean... I mean that Count Dracula may already have dispatched boxes to other derelict mansions so that he will have a choice of places to lay his head during the long hours of daylight. I suggest that we drive across to Roundwood immediately and look at this house right now. I agree, friend John, but I warn you, one and all, to be prepared. If he is there, we must either capture or kill this monster in his lair. We must, so to speak sterilize the earth with garlic and holy relics so that no more he can seek safety in it. If the boxes are missing, we must trace them so that in the end we may meet Count Dracula in his form of man between dawn and sunset and so engage with him when he is most weak. Then the sooner we go, the better. It is now 4.30. Sunset is at 7.30. We haven't really much time. Alas, Madame Mina, I fear you cannot come with us. You are too precious to us to have such risk. You stay here behind these high walls of the asylum where safety is. We shall tell you all in good time. We are men and are able to suffer, but you must be our star and our hope, and we shall act all the more free when you are not in danger such as we are. Oh, the professor's right, darling. You'll be quite safe here. I'll do whatever you say, of course, but I would much prefer to be with you. I have the strangest feeling that something... Awful is about to happen. Don't you worry that pretty head, Madame Mina. Nothing can happen until sunset. By then we shall all be back here safely inside the walls of the asylum. Come along, then. Time is everything to this vampire. Swift action on our part now may save another victim.
is as I thought. We have examined every part of this dungeon and have opened each and every coffin. He is not here. What do we do now, Professor? We must work with twice the speed. How many boxes are missing, Jonathan? Twenty-one. Twenty-one, eh? Well, then, these he could not have moved himself. So first we make inquiries from the local police, and then maybe we get on the track of those who carry the boxes away. Well, it's too late to do much tonight, Professor. We've spent over two hours searching here. Well, then we split forces. Arthur and Jonathan will go in search of places where the boxes now lie. Friend John and I go straight back to the asylum. This patient you asked me to see, John, what name again? Renfield. Yes, Renfield. Of him, you say his behavior suggests he may be under the influence of Count Dracula? That's my opinion, Professor. Then this man we must examine before sunset this evening. Come, quickly. Something terrible has happened, Professor. The keys of the cell, quickly. We may hear something of great importance. Great heavens! I think Professor, his back is broken. See, both his right arm and leg and the whole side of his face are paralyzed. There's no time to lose. His words may be worth many lives. Speak to him, John, quickly. It may be that there is a soul at stake. There is no help we can give him in this life. Renfield, can you hear me? I hear you, Dr. Sewer. What happened? I, I have had a terrible dream. It has left me... So weak that I cannot move. Tell us your dream, Renfield. I must not deceive myself. It was no dream. It was real. And I am dying. I feel that I have but a few minutes. Then I must go back to death or worse. Tell us what happened. He came, to, he came to the window in the mist, as I have seen him often before. But he was solid then, not a ghost. And his eyes were fierce like a man with anger. He was laughing with his red mouth. Sharp teeth glinted in the moonlight when he turned to where the dogs were barking. Yes? And I said, I said, I said, come in, master. And he slid into the room through the sash, though it was only open and entwined. But he, he, he sneered at me as if I was no one. Somehow I thought there was a lady in the room. He spoke to her. I remember the name he called Mina. Mina Harker. She came to him when he called... Somehow, it made me mad even to think that he was taking the life out of her. I struggled with him, but she raised me up and threw me down. Like this, like this, that is all I remember. We know the worst now, John. Dracula is here and we know his purpose. It may not be too late. Come with me to Madame Mina's room. There is not an instant to spare. Friend John, when I turn the handle, if the door does not open, do you put your shoulder and break it down? Right. Now! 
Great heavens, he's here. Look, leaning over the bed. The relic. Show it. Ah, see, he moves away. He's disappearing. Look, even the blood dripping from his mouth is changing into vapor. Yes, there he goes through the window and out into the night. Enough. We must attend to Madame Mina. The brandy, if you please. Here. Oh, doctor, there's blood on her lips. What can that mean? We shall soon know. Madame Mina, wake up. Wake up, I say. No! No! Do not hear no, no. now, my dear. We are here. Van Helsing and Seward, you see us, yes. 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 Oh, don't leave me. Don't leave me. You are safe now, Madame Mina. While this relic is here, no foul thing can approach. Now, Madame Mina, poor dear Madame Mina, tell us exactly what happened. Must I speak now, Professor? I'm tired. Tired. I do not want that you be pained, but it is need that we know all. For now more than ever has all work to be done, quick and sharp. The time is near when we must end all this, and now is the chance that we may learn and live. Please tell us everything, Madame Mina. Very well. As the sun was setting, I took the sleeping draught which you so kindly gave me. But for some time it did not act. I noticed that in the room was a thin, white mist. I became frightened. I could sense that someone other than myself was in the room. I knew that Count Dracula stood beside me. I would have screamed out, only that I was paralyzed. Then... With a mocking smile, he bared my neck and placed his reeking lips upon my throat. I could not cry out. I felt my strength fading away, and I was in a swoon. How long this horrible thing lasted, I do not know. But a long time passed before he took away his foul, sneering mouth, now dripping with fresh blood. Then he spoke to me. And so, you, like the others, would play your brains against mine. You would help these men to hurt me and frustrate me in my designs. You know now, and they partly know already and will know in full before long what it is to cross my path. Whilst they played wits against me, I was already revenging myself on them through you, their best beloved. <laughs> now... You are flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, kin of my kin, and shall be later on my companion and my helper. You shall be avenged in turn, for not one of them but shall minister to your needs. You must yet be punished for what you have done. You have aided in thwarting me, 
Now you shall come to my call. When my brain says come, to you you shall cross land or sea to do my bidding and to ensure that this shall be, you will now do as I command this instant. He pulled open his shirt, and with his long, sharp nails, opened a vein in his breast. When the blood began to spurt out, he seized my neck and pressed my mouth to the wound, so that I must suffocate or swallow something. Oh, oh, what have I done? Oh, what have I done to deserve such a fate? Oh, what is to become of me now? What? Oh, oh, oh I wish I were dead. No, you must not die, Madamina, until this vampire who has fouled your sweet life is true dead. You must not die. For if he is still with the undead, your death will make you even as he is. On your living soul, I charge you that you do not die until this great evil be past. I will once more prepare your room so that he cannot enter. And you yourself I will safeguard now. This holy relic I now place on your forehead. Great heavens, it's burned into a flesh like white-hot metal. My dear, it is not so. When we track down this monster and destroy him, that red scar will leave your forehead, and then you will once more be the Madame Mina we know and love. This very night we go and find the lair where he must lie tomorrow, and so at next sunset, sun will shine on Madame Mina's forehead, all white as ivory and with no stain. Come, friend John, we must work quickly. Pulafuka Asylum. Dr. Seward speaking. Hello, Jack. Arthur, what's the news? Oh, it's good news, Jack. The gaudy at Roundwood has been watching the vacant house, in case of thieves, I suppose. They saw the boxes being delivered and were able to name the carrier who took the missing chests away. Excellent. Now you must work even more quickly than before. Dracula has claimed two more victims. Oh, no. I'm afraid so. Renfield and Mina. Mina? How awful. Is she bad? No, thank heavens. We reached her in the nick of time. Professor Helsing attended her. She'll be all right. Oh, that's a relief. You know, Jonathan half expected that something like this would happen. Well, you can put his mind at rest. Mina will be all right. Is Jonathan there with you? No, we split forces. We discovered that six of the missing chests were taken to Balscadden Bay on Hoth Hill. He's gone there now by taxi to locate and sterilize them with the garlic and relics. Excellent. And what about the remaining 15? Well, this, uh, this carrier chap drove me to Vico Road, Dorky. I found 13 of them in an old outhouse which he pointed out to me, and I sterilized them. Great news! This means that if we can locate the remaining two, we find Dracula. I have information about these also. Well, go on, go on. The remaining two chests of earth were brought to the Hellfire Club on the Dublin Mountains. Bravo, Arthur. We've got the vampire at last. Where are you phoning from? Dorky. 
Jonathan is to pick me up here on his way back from Hoth. Fine. Now, listen carefully. Professor Van Helsing and I will drive straight to the Hellfire Club. Meet us there as quickly as possible. These last two chests must be found before dawn. Then we can deal with Dracula the man. Bye. You heard, Professor? Everything. Already all of his layers but one they sterilize. Now we go and complete the assignment. Come, my friend. Waste not one second of time. Garlic about the chest, so, and the relic inside, so. Now Dracula and I shall soon meet. Replace the lid as it was. I care for nothing now except to wipe this brute from the face of creation. We are all devoted to this cause. Maybe tonight shall see the end. If we could find the last remaining chest, he would be finished for all time. But we have not been able to find it. Still, I know he will come to this second last home tonight. He will need to ensure that it is still safe for him. Ah, here are our friends, Arthur and Jonathan. Everything is all right. We found both places and destroyed all the boxes. Destroyed? For him. Have you been successful in your quest, Professor? Partly, but we have searched everywhere for the last remaining chest without success. It is not here. Then what's to be done? Wait. He will be here before long now. We should have ready some plan of attack so that we may throw away no chance. Have all your arms. Be ready. There he is. Where? On the far corner of the ruin, standing on the roof. He has tricked us. We cannot reach him. He's speaking. You think to baffle me? You will your pale faces all in a row. You think you have left me without a place to rest. But I have one. And my revenge is just begun. I spread it over centuries. And time is on my side. Your girls that you all love are mine already. And through them, you and others shall yet be mine. My creatures to do my bidding and to be my jackals when I want to feed. I go now for a little while. But soon I return! <laughs> He's gone! He seemed to jump from the parapet. My friends, we have learned something. His brave words mean little. He fears us, he fears time. His very tone betrays him, or my ears deceive. We must follow quick. We are hunters of a wild beast and understand it so. We need not despair. There is but one more earth box, and we must try to find it. When that is done, all may yet be well. But where are we to look, Professor? There is a person in your asylum at Pulafuka who may know the answer we are seeking. Come! 
Madame Mina, this is indeed a change. You see, friend Jonathan, we have got our dear Madame Mina as of old back to us. Oh, why do you wake me this hour, Professor? What do you want? I would like you to help us with a little experiment. If we succeed, all your troubles and ours will end. If there is anything in the world... There is. I... Now listen. I will hypnotize you, and it is my belief that under hypnosis you will speak freely and tell us what most we wish to know. Do you agree? Yes, Professor. Now we must be quick, for the time is short. Look into my eyes. Look. Look. Where are you, Madame Mina? I do not know. It is all strange to me. What do you see? I can see nothing. It is all dark. What do you hear? Engines going faster and faster. Engines. What do they remind you of? Aeroplane. Like when I first went to Transylvania. What are you doing? I am still... Oh, so still. It is like death. She is sleeping now. Well, gentlemen, it is as I thought. Count Dracula is at this very moment on his way to Transylvania. He carries with him his coffin of earth. At dawn tomorrow he must enter the coffin. During the long daylight, the aeroplane will cross Europe with Dracula still inside his coffin of earth. Then, before the sun sets, the aeroplane will reach Castle Dracula. We must be there when it touches down. We must be armed to destroy the monster in his coffin before the sun sets. If we cannot accomplish this, then those we love and we ourselves and others unknown will be lost forever. But how can we get to Transylvania before sunset tomorrow? By the same method that Dracula used. Listen carefully, everyone. Now, more than ever, we must find him, even if we have to follow him to the jaws of hell. In Ireland, we can chart our private airplane, yes? Yes, there's no difficulty there, Good. but... Good, now, here are my final instructions. Phone immediately and charter airplane with long-range tanks. Also, parachutes for five persons. Parachutes? Of course. Remember, we are not dealing with a mortal. We must be prepared for anything. But why five, Professor? Madame Mina must be with us. She only can keep us in touch with movements of the vampire. But we are wasting precious time. You, friend John, make contract for airplane. Jonathan, prepare Madame Mina for journey. Arthur, you come with me for arms to destroy Dracula forever. Hurry, hurry! There is not a moment to lose. strange that we've neither seen nor heard of Dracula since leaving Ireland? I am glad that it is so, friend John. That can only mean that he is unaware that we are on his track. We passed over Budapest nearly one hour ago. We must be near Castle Dracula now, Professor. That is so. We are flying over the Carpathians. Any moment now we should see the castle. It won't be easy to land in such rugged country. True. 
But if Dracula can land an aeroplane in the wilderness, cannot we? There's little time left to experiment, Professor. In a little over 30 minutes, the sun will set. Look, there is the castle shining in the evening sun. Castle Dracula. Our task is nearly complete. Now we circle about and look for landing place of other plane. I go tell pilot. Nothing could have landed down there, Professor. He has not arrived yet. Why? It is only 20 minutes to sunset. He has changed the plan. Once more, I must hypnotize Madame Mina. Come. Madame Mina, can you hear me? I hear you. Where are you now? I am looking through glass at the sky. The sun is setting. Yes, yes. What do you hear? A whirring noise of a great propeller. You are a good child. Sleep now. Sleep. You heard, gentlemen? You did? But what does it mean? It means that Dracula is on his way here by helicopter. Helicopter? Of course. Only a helicopter could land down there. We should have known. There's nothing we can do now. You are wrong, my friend. Remember, we have parachutes. Do you expect us to jump out into that wilderness? My friends, we have come so far that nothing can stop us now. This is my plan. On all sides of the castle below is an abyss. A helicopter can only land on one place, the roof of the castle. We will jump from the plane and pray that some of us will reach the battlements. All must bring implements of destruction to kill Dracula and to protect us against wolves. Come. Well, what's to be done for Mina? Mina will return to Budapest with pilot and plane. When next you see her friend Jonathan, there will be no scar on that so lovely forehead. It will be no more when Dracula is destroyed. Come, my friends. Get ready to jump. Arthur landed in the courtyard below. He's probably trying to make his way up. And Jonathan? I'm afraid I... Listen! Wolves! They're coming closer all the time. Oh, that's on the other one. Yes, it's here. A helicopter is coming down. We couldn't see it in the glare of the sun. Be ready, John. We have but five minutes. Here's Arthur. The courtyard is full of wolves. They're swarming up the stairways towards the roof. Here it comes down to land. Listen, you, Arthur, silence the pilot at gunpoint. John and I will break open the lid of the coffin. Make no delay, friend John. Plunge knife straight into the heart of Dracula. I will cut the head off. I just made it. Thousands of rats are swarming up the outside walls. I barely managed to keep out of their reach. Look overhead. The sky is full of bats. Oh, here come the wolves. Guns at the ready. No, follow me. Only two minutes will remain to us. Run, run. It is here, the coffin. Now, I, the throat cut, you, the heart to step. It is done. As I cut the throat, the body dissolved into ashes. The wolves have gone. The air is free of bats. 
Look, the sun is setting. How beautiful it is. Yes, all the world is good and pure again. Our work has not been in vain. The snow of winter is not more stainless than Madame Mina's forehead at this moment. My friends, the curse has passed away. You have been listening to Dracula by Bram Stoker, adapted for radio by P.J. O'Connor. Count Dracula was played by Thomas Studley. Professor Abraham von Helsing, Ivan Henley, Dr. Jack Seward, Connor Farrington, the Honorable Arthur Homewood, James Nalen, Jonathan Harker, Peter Dix. Daphne Carroll played Lucy Westenra, and Musetta Joyce, Mina Murray. Renfield was played by Vincent Bradley. The others taking part were Florence Lynch, Celia Solkeld, Moro Sullivan, Brandon O'Duil, Michal Campion, and Brendan Moylan. Special effects were devised by Frank Lawler and Jimmy Wogan. Sound supervision was by Jim McHale. Dracula was produced by P.J. O'Connor. <laughs>